today. I pray that your heart, your mind, your spirit, and your soul is open to hear what said the Lord on this morning. Amen. On social media, go ahead, hashtag, and go ahead, post on Facebook and all of that. Let the world know. And if you happen to hear something that blesses your heart and your spirit, go ahead, feel free to post it if you would. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, your iPhones, your iPads, your dreaded Androids, or whatever you have as an electronic device for the Word of God. Amen. Grab Zechariah, Zechariah chapter number 9. We're going to lay some foundation this morning. Zechariah chapter number 9. Android folk going to meet me in the parking lot. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Zechariah chapter number nine, we're going to grab also Isaiah chapter number nine, verse number six, when you have it, stand to your feet if you would, amen, Zechariah chapter number nine, as well as Isaiah chapter number nine, we're going to lay some foundation for our word on this morning, once you have it, stand to your feet, if you're still looking, go ahead, stand anyway, so we can move forward, amen, if you have it, say amen, Amen. if you're still looking, say hallelujah, Wait for me to put it on the screen and say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Still too many of y'all. We're going to make our faith declaration on this morning. Amen. Repeat these words after me, if you would. Would you say, today I'll be taught the word of God. My spirit is ready. My mind is sharp. I believe the word. The word is truth. It is without error. I believe what the word says. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. This where it gets personal. I believe what the word says about me. I am redeemed. I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I am healed. No sickness nor disease shall come near my home. I'm more than a conqueror. I am rich. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Turn to your neighbor and say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Talk to your second choice. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Go ahead and point to the four walls of this church. Say, wealth and riches shall be in this house. Come on, be bold. Point to yourself and say, wealth and riches shall be in this house. Shout, I'm blessed to be a blessing. My house is blessed. My children are blessed. My marriage is blessed. My church is blessed. I'm blessed. Now shout amen. Shout it loud again. Amen. Zechariah chapter number nine. Zechariah is a prophet, powerful prophet in the Lord. And Zechariah makes this declaration. He says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout. Can somebody shout in this place? daughter of Jerusalem behold the king is coming to you he is just just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey a coat a foal of a donkey I chose not to read the King, king James version because y'all amen y'all say the preacher cussing in here amen Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold. Oh, I love that word, behold. Behold. Your king is coming to you. 
He is just in having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a coat, a foal of a donkey. Dance over to Isaiah chapter number 9, verse number 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hear this, beloved, before you have a seat. The greater the load of the cross that you bear, the greater the weight of the crown you will wear. waiting for the weight of the crown of the cross to fall upon your shoulders. Father, now in the name of Jesus, we stand in this place waiting on your presence. Shift this atmosphere as we behold the beauty of your glory. Have thine way in this house. It's in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout amen. Amen. On your way to your seat, somebody shout behold. Behold. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today I want to talk about, for a brief moment, behold. Behold. There's several Greek words for this word, behold. In the text we see this morning, Jesus, as I set up a picture for you, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem in fulfillment of prophecy of the coming Messiah. And as he's coming into Jerusalem, he's coming back to a place where he's really not welcomed. He's coming back to an area of town where they really didn't want to see Jesus. Matter of fact, it's the time that Jesus go because most of his ministry is between Galilee and Jerusalem. He's going backwards and forward. And his last journey to Jerusalem in this region, they try to kill him. And he wasn't hoodwinked or accosted by robbers or thieves. It was church folk. Pharisees and Sadducees, Jews the like. So we're not just going to pick on the preacher this morning. It was the people as well. Because, you know, as a preacher, we have a great responsibility unto the people, but the people has a responsibility as well. Amen. Amen. So even the church folk was trying to stone Jesus and run him out of town. And Jesus has the unmitigated goal, the audacity to go back into hell's fire. <laughs> That's a bad boy there. He know they're going to try to kill him, but he go back anyway. Man, that's a good God. Amen. He goes into dangerous places to pull out people who he loves. Amen. He puts his own life on the line yeah. for the people he loves. So he's coming into Jerusalem in fulfillment of the prophecies 
The Gospel of John, chapter number 11. Jesus is on the hills of the resurrection of Lazarus. Matter of fact, they're coming after Jesus because of this account. The word is now spread abroad about this miracle that manifests. Now, hear me. I want to teach for a second. The Bible says that signs and wonders followed them that believe. This was not really a miracle in the sense of what Jesus performed in the life of Lazarus. Because the dead had been risen before. A miracle is a manifestation of something that had never been done that you can't really fathom, can't think about, boom, miracle. This was a sign that pointed to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there's a difference between a miracle and a sign. And most of what we call miracles that Jesus did was not a miracle. It was a sign to point to him. So we got to be careful. We say, God, I need a miracle. No, God, give me a sign because I need to see you the more. I want to know you more. So we got to look for the signs. You know, when you're driving down the road, there's signs and they point to the places. So when you see the manifestation of Jesus at work, it's really a sign to point you to something. And it's pointing you to him. So we see Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Man, I thought you loved Lazarus. Why are you waiting? And then he said to his disciples, let's go. Watch this. Let us go back to Judea. Wait a minute. The place where they were trying to kill us? <laughs> let us go back to Judea. Look at the disciples. They said, but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you want to go back? You want to go back to the place they try to kill you? You're going to go reapply at the job they fired you at a year or two ago? You're going to go back into the neighborhood and evangelize that neighborhood when they ran you up out of town, where they talked about you, shame your name, and you, you have the audacity to go back to your family that know all your mess, how you done done them wrong. You have the audacity to go back them, to them and evangelize. You know, the ones that talk about you, that throw stones at you, and you're going to go back to them. Jesus, come on, man, they tried to kill you. You going back to that place? Better yet, Jesus, you telling us (laughs) you want us to go back? Because, you know, people don't have the best aim. So, Jesus, if they going to stone you and I'm with you, they may hit me. When they trying to hit you. You sure you want us to go back? Can you go? I mean, I'm just saying, Jesus, you know, can I just sit this one out? I mean, I know you got to go back, but do I have to go with you? That's why you got to have some ride or die friends with you. <laughs> you got to have some folk that arrive with you. That even if they try to run you over, they're going to run us over. You got to have us some kind of us type of friends that they after us. They coming to get us. You know, they really ain't coming to get you, but they coming to get us. Because if they coming for you, they ought to come for me. 
See, we got away from that in the church. We, we separate ourselves when the world comes after the individual. We turn our backs on the individual. They may have tripped and stumbled. The church is the only place that eat its own. The church is the only place when a person stumbles, trips, and falls. Now, the church is a place of mercy and grace, a place of forgiveness. But the moment somebody does something wrong, oh, Lord. He's not with us. You need some ride or die folk. And if the church will get back to where we support one another, stand with one another, forgive one another. For such were we at one point where we were wallowing in our sin and doing all kind of stuff and somebody had to forgive us. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Because some of you are right now in the pit of sin right now. You should be shouting better than I'm. And it's the church where we should come, where the church rallies around you, where we can apply the balm of Gilead, the healing salve. Yeah, you messed up, but come on, let's get it right. Yeah, you in sin, but let's come out of that thing. Come on out. Because where else can they go? Where else can, can they go back to the world and, 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 and they, well, you know, the world would forgive them. You know, the world forgives better than the church does. Or shall I say the people in the church. And they run back into the world and they accept it. Hallelujah. But they should be able to run into the church. Brings me to this point. It's Palm Sunday, so... The reason why they laid palms, because the palms were during the time of the Feast of Tabernacle. They would build huts of prayer with palms. And when it was time to pray, they had these huts of prayer to pray during the Feast of Tabernacle. It was a place of refuge, a place of covering, a safe haven, a place to touch God. So they're laying these palms down in commemoration of the time of the atonement that the sacrifice of the lamb was slain. And watch this. They're laying down these palms to remind them that we could come into a safe place. It's symbolic of Jesus coming into town to say, hey, we got refuge in you. (laughs) I got a safe place I can run into when the enemy is after me. I got a hut. I can run into. I got a refuge that I can run into and I can be into your presence and they're laying palms down. It is also a symbol of a, 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 how can I, a ceremonial welcome of a king coming into town. Now, when kings would come into town, they would lay palms on the street so that the, y'all seen coming to America. First time guest, I have commercial breaks throughout this sermon, so I jump in and out. This is a 30-second commercial break. Y- y'all seen coming to America, you man, when King Jafar came into town, they, the women got out first and they sprinkled rose petals on the floor. It, it is so that the king would feet would not touch the bare ground. Come <laughs> Like peasants. Amen. So they're laying these palm branches as a welcoming for a king coming into town. But not only that, they're shouting out, Hosanna. Hosanna. And they say, Rabbi, you want us to go back to this place? They're trying to kill us. Do we have to go? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? 
Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. He says, aren't there not 12 hours of daylight? Oh, let's get deep in here right quick. I'm going to give you some revelation. He's talking of the 12 apostles to be light in darkness. That if we don't go where we're supposed to go, then people will stumble because there is no light. Well, let's bring it back here to today's time, 2021. If you're not the light in the world, people will stumble because if you're walking in darkness, you're going to trip over some stuff. He says, listen, we got to go because there's darkness there and I need some light to show up in some darkness. Somebody shout, I'm the light. And I want to encourage you this morning, if your light has gone out, just go back and get your oil can refilled. Today is the day for you to get your oil can refilled so that the oil, you can become oily. (laughs) So that your light will never go out again. And he says, it is when a person walks at night that they stumble because they have no light to earn your crown. Earn your crown by overcoming your crosses. You have to earn your crown by overcoming your crosses. Because there's some places Jesus is going to ask you to go that you're going to have to overcome. There are some places he's going to ask you to go back to. And the only way you can get your crown at the end of it all, you have to overcome that cross. Because watch this. It's some places of familiarity. Some places of affliction. Some places where you were hurt and some places you hurt. Oh, God, help me. Holy Ghost up in here. There's some places you're going to have to journey back to where people hurt you. And watch this. Even greater, you hurt them. And you got to go back and overcome that cross and say, hey, listen, forgive me. I was wrong. That was back then. That was the old man. That was Lazarus. But this time he's going to stay in the grave. He's dead now. He's not going to get back up again. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold all things. Oh, God, help me up in here. I'm a new person now in Christ. I'm sorry. That is the cuss word in the Christian mouth. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I've done you wrong. How can I make it up to you? See, true repentance is not just saying the words. It's transformation of action. Mentateno is the Greek word of forgiveness or repentance, shall I say. And it's two parts. Some of you got one part right, but not the other part. The one part is, is that you changed your mind about what you did. You realized what you done was wrong. So you said, I'm sorry. But the second part is the hard part and the part that we miss out so regularly. The second part is now a change of actions. It it is a change of what you do. So now I hurt you by lying to you. Now I heal you by telling you the truth. I stole from you, but now I have a true repentance. Now I give. Oh, God. I'm going to love you from afar. The devil is a lie. You got to be up close. (laughs) Because I want my stuff back. (laughs) Oh, God. That's a. 
Another 20-second commercial. Amen. <laughs> Gospel of John, chapter 12. The next day, the crowd had come for the festival. And watch this. They heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Oh, if we could only assemble because we just heard that he would be there. Oh, if we'll get excited just for the fact that we hear that Jesus is going to show up. Sometimes we don't show up to church unless our favorite preacher is there. We don't show up to church unless our favorite choir is there. Oh, I want to be in church now. Ooh, pastor preaching today. Come to the door and see it ain't pastor. Oh, man, I got dressed for nothing. But just to hear that Jesus is going to be in the house. And watch, they're traveling near and far. They're walking miles. And God has blessed you with a car that you won't crank up and head to the house of God. And the next day, the great crowd are coming because they heard Jesus come to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Bless the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's coat. You ready for more revelation? Jesus prepares his entry into Jerusalem. Prior to this, in another gospel, Jesus sends his disciples to this man to arrange his transportation. He says, listen, there will be a donkey's coat, a fold there, and a donkey. Really, it was two. One of the gospels says it was only the donkey's coat. But it was two. And Jesus decides to ride on, watch this, hear it, good God Almighty, I hear your Holy Ghost. He jumps on the least experienced one. (laughs) He gets on the new phone, one that has never been written before, one that doesn't know what it's like to have a man on his back, one that don't know what it's like to travel along the way. He comes after the least experienced one. That's why you got to be careful when you're talking about people because that person may surpass you even in their lack of understanding. Oh, God. They may have just gotten saved last week and they be preaching next week. And you've been saved for 20 years and can't string two verses together. I can't believe they let him preach. He on fire for Jesus. Let him go. (laughs) Hallelujah. He gets on the coat. Here it is. There's an old donkey and a coat. Catch it. Old covenant. New covenant. He gets on the new covenant donkey. Because he's about to enter into a new dispensation. But he strings along the old covenant. Oh God, y'all missed that. He brings the old covenant so you can see that the new covenant is the old covenant revealed. Because the old covenant was the new covenant concealed. I said more than you caught right there. So he brings them both in so you can see that he's still in operation. Because now we only think that we're in the new covenant. But the new covenant is just the old covenant revealed. 
So hear me, it's only one covenant. <laughs> I'm going to mess you up right now. It's really only one covenant. Because the same covenant in the old covenant is the same covenant in the new covenant. It's just more expanded, revealed. You see the same promises in the old covenant that you see in the new covenant. It's just one difference is you don't have to work for the promises like you did in the old covenant. You just receive the promises in the new covenant. But it's the same covenant. Oh, God, I got too excited. At first, the disciples did not understand the disciples did not tell you they be talking about you. At first, the disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and uh, these things had been done to him. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus, there were people who were eyewitnesses to this. From the tomb and raised him from the dead. Continued to spread the word. Many people because they had heard. They had. They had. They had heard that he had performed this. What? Miracle. No he performed a miracle. He performed a sign. Not a miracle. It was a sign to point to him. He performed a sign. So that you can see that he was who he said he was. He did a sign so with an arrow with neon lights going. Thousand watt LED bulbs blinding you out. I am the Messiah. He performed the sign and they heard. They performed the sign. Went out to meet him. So the church folk, the preacher said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the world has gone after him. Now, there were some Greeks, not alphas, not Q-dogs, not AKs, not Zetas, not Sigma Gamma Rose. Oh, I'm sorry. There were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival they came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, with the request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Greeks were Gentiles. They were unliked by the Jews. They had no dealings with the Jews. But they wanted to see Jesus. They were willing to go against all odds, even death, just to see Jesus. They traveled all the way from Greece to Jerusalem just to see Jesus. They didn't ask for his autograph. They didn't take a selfie. They just wanted to see him. Sir, can we just see Jesus? Can you arrange a meeting so we can just look at him? Can you move some people to the side? Can you tell John to squat down a little bit because he's kind of tall? I can't see Jesus. Can you tell Peter to get out the way? His head is in the way. I just want to see. Sir, can you just make a way? Can we get a backstage pass so I can see Jesus? Can we just see him? 
And then the message comes in. And this is the message. Philip went to tell Andrew this message. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And Jesus replied, the hour come for the son of man to be glorified. In other words, it's time now because people are coming from all walks of life. Just to come see me. Now is the time for me to shine. Now is the time for me to be glorified. Now is the time for me to reveal what has been concealed all these years because they got people who just heard about me and they come in. Unlike some people who hear about me every Sunday, but they don't live like that on Monday. I'm just glad that they're... Y'all quiet up in here. And he said, man, it's time now. Because these outside folk, this is not even church folk who are trying to break into the kingdom. It's time now because I got folk who really don't believe in me, but they yet still trying to see me. When I got people right now with crosses around their neck and they're very faithful, but they're not fruitful. They in church every Sunday, but there's no fruit coming out of their lives. (laughs) You know, they know scripture, but they don't know Jesus in the scripture. And, you know, we've done a bad job in the church. We have preached the word real good, but we're not pointing people to the Jesus of the word that we're preaching. So they know the scripture, but they don't know the one in the scripture named Jesus. And they can parakeet, they can rehearse and regurgitate the scriptures over. They know all the scriptures. But hear me, beloved, the scriptures don't know them. Glory. And Jesus says, time now, because I got some people who are running from all over the place just to get a glimpse at me. Verily, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides or remains only a single seed. But if it does die, it produces many seeds. In other words, Jesus is now foretelling prophetically his own life. I will be a seed that must die. Because a seed so potential or purpose of a seed is to die. That is the purpose of a seed to die. If you do not allow the seed to be planted in the ground, it has not fulfilled its purpose. And the full potential of a seed will be magnified when it's in its purpose, the ground. Ah, you can walk around with orange seeds in your pocket all day long. Tell I got some seed. Look at my seed. Look, look, I got some seed. Man, look at all this seed I got. But the purpose of a seed is not to be a seed. The purpose of a seed is to be a harvest. Good God Almighty. And and a seed will never manifest unless you put it where it belongs. In the ground. You know, there was was some historians, some uh, archaeologists. They found a 2,000-year-old seed. Say again. The Methuselah seed. 2,000 years. This seed is old, y'all. Oh, like Joe Biden. I love you, Joe. Oh, see, 2,000 years old. You know what happened? They studied the seed. They did all kind of tests on the seed. 
And he messed around there and put the seed in his purpose. In the ground. Guess what happened, y'all? Because the purpose of a seed is to produce a harvest. And Jesus is prophetically speaking of his own life that I'm a seed that must die. If I don't die, then there'll never be a harvest. Turn around, look at the harvest around you. And Jesus said, I got to go. I got to go. Even if it means me being stoned, I got to go because there's a greater harvest. I'm just a seed. And inside of this seed, it's not just one orange. It's an orange orchard. Inside of me is a greater, greater, greater harvest than what you see right now. You see me, but there's a multitude coming. And I got to die. I just need y'all to come and watch me die. I got to go to Jerusalem, even at the sake of being stoned. Because my purpose is to die so that you can live. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He come to make dead people alive. And he had to die. He, He had to die. He had to die. Why? So you can live. But watch this. In order for you to live, you got to die yourself so that you can live in him. So you can die in Christ and resurrect a new life. Tell your neighbor, I'm a seed. And they came just to behold. And anyone who loves their life will lose it while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. You got to take up your cross. You got to bear your cross. Some of y'all are going to carry some heavy crosses. You're going to bear some heavy crosses. You're going to have to go through some stuff. But you got to bear your cross. Because in order to get a crown, you got to bear your cross. In order to get the crown, you got to bear your cross. And it's going to be something that radically changes your life when you take this crown upon your shoulders. But you got to get it. In order to get it. You got to get it in order to get it. In order to heal. Well done my good and faithful servant. You have to be well doing. So if I'm not well doing and bearing my cross. Then how can I hear well done? Because you can't hear well done if there was no well doing. And he says follow me. My father will honor the one who serves me. Watch this. To behold Jesus, we must ask, we must desire that we would see Jesus. Now, what I love about this word behold, and I'm going to finish up here in a second. Musicians can go ahead and get in place. What I love about this word behold is when you behold, it means to gaze, to look at. To be in, um, what do they call that when a hypnotist, trans, what, what is it? You in a in a trance? You hypnotize, and you're in a trance. Trance, you stuck, just fixed. In a trance, you don't see nothing else. You just see what you see in front of you. Matter of fact, you don't want to see nothing else. Can't see nothing else. That's all you see, because you're in a. Help me. And this word to behold means that I'm so fixed on Jesus. I don't want to see nothing else. I can't see nothing else. I'm blinded and enamored by the love and the beauty of this holiness. I don't want to see nothing. Yes, she's fine. Good God Almighty. But I don't want to see her. I just want to see Jesus. Oh, God. 
Yes, this world has to offer riches and fame and all of this stuff, but I'm just so enamored by the name of Jesus. I don't want to see nothing else. Y'all quiet. That's what will keep you. It's when you get fixed in a trance with Jesus. Because Satan is trying to throw deceptions and distractions in your way. And watch this. He'll come speaking in tongues. She'll come with a collar on. Distraction. To steal your focus and your trance from being beholding on a Jesus. Oh, that we would see Jesus. But not just see him, but to behold him. Because the moment you behold Jesus, oh God, I hear you, Holy Ghost. He will behold you. <laughs> so when I behold Jesus, he's going to be held. He's going to hold me. Oh, that we will see Jesus. Watch this. Not to just hear about Jesus. It's not enough to just hear about him. Because demons have heard about him for eternity. It's not enough just to hear about Jesus. These people showed up because they heard, but it wasn't enough just to hear. They had to show up to see. It's not enough just to read your Bible. Oh, you can hear about Jesus all day long. But you got to break in to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus in my life. I want to see Jesus in my family. I want to see Jesus in my children. I want to see Jesus. John chapter 1. Watch this next day. John said, Jesus. See if Jesus coming unto him. And he said, what? Behold. The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins, be fixed on the one who takes away your sins. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Because the moment you take your eyes off of Jesus, then sin enters in. That's why you keep falling in and out of sin, because you took your eyes off of Jesus. That's why you're struggling with these light afflictions is because you keep taking your eyes off of Jesus. Said, behold, this is he whom I said after me cometh a man which is preferred before me. For he was before me. (laughs) And I knew him not. But that he, somebody shout he. Oh, God. But he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. And I knew him not. Now watch. It's funny. And I'll give you the rest on Tuesday. It's funny that John knew him not. You remember Elizabeth? John's mother? Y'all remember Mary? Jesus' mother? Did you remember that Elizabeth and Mary were cousins? But John knew him not. Now watch. The unconscious John knew him, but the conscious John forgot about him. 
the unconscious John had a better relationship with him than the conscious John did. What do you mean, apostle, the unconscious John? John in his mother's womb encounters Jesus in his mother's womb and leaves. The unconscious John, not even born, could recognize the presence of God. And Jesus shows up. John says, oh, that's Jesus. Jesus comes to the door and says, oh, wait a minute. I feel something I never felt before. But the conscious John, who is serving and laboring for the kingdom, says, I don't know this Jesus. I know him not. Why? Because at that point, John had not behold. At that point, John the Baptist had not behold Jesus. He knew Jesus was coming and greater, and he was just the one making the way, but he had not beheld him himself. So watch this. He was working and yet wondering when Jesus is going to show up. He in the wilderness baptizing folk. He's working, but he's wondering when is the one who it's greater than me going to show up. And when Jesus shows up, he says, I come to get baptized. He's beholding Jesus now. And he's fixed on Jesus. Oh, I remember this. I remember this experience. The unconscious John that becomes conscious is now unconscious or incognito. Watch this. He's intoxicated with the presence of Jesus. He says, oh, no, wait, I can't baptize you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, this got to happen, buddy. It's got to happen so that the scriptures that you heard about, you can now see about. Did I tell you it's not enough just to read your word? But you got to see the word. You got to see John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, it ain't enough just to read in the beginning if you never get to verse 14 to where you could see manifested what happened in the beginning manifest in the flesh. Oh, God, read your Bible. So it's not enough just to hear that in the beginning was the word, but you got to see the word. So God came down in flesh so you can see what you heard. Fourteen says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John now is enamored with the presence of Jesus. And Jesus said, it's got to happen, buddy, because you heard about it. But now you're about to see about it. John baptizes Jesus. I know it's Palm Sunday. And he says, wow. I saw a dove come down on him. That the spirit rest upon him. And now the Jesus I heard about, I see him now. He beheld him, took a gaze at him. But watch, even in John's life, John lost focus. Like so many church folk, we lose focus. John is now arrested. And Herod is looking to cut his head off. And while he's in prison... He sends his disciples to say, Jesus, are you really the one or should we look for another? Now watch his situation clouded his vision. Because John was in prison, he could no longer see Jesus. 
just like life will come, it'll cloud your vision. And you'll be asking, Jesus, are you the one or should I look for another? You may not phrase it like that, but your actions will say that. That's why when things are tight, you go to payday, cow, cash, what? Payday loan. Cash cow. Move. You, you go to one of them. Why? Because your situation has clouded your vision of you seeing the God who is able to provide. So you look for alternative sources other than God. You find another woman because your wife is not pleasing you. Uh, God, when you pray, Lord, send me one and he sent her. You ask for those kids and now you're trying to get rid of those kids because life has clouded your vision. You ask for that job. Now you're saying, Lord, I hate this job. Deliver me from this job. How can I deliver you from the thing I delivered you into? And the thing you asked for. Because we stop beholding him. We stop beholding him. Marriages on an all-time high rate of divorce. And it's greater in the church. Why? Because we stop beholding him. Hear me, married couple, and I'm done. Jesus should always be the center. Marriage is a triune covenant. Between two individuals and God. So when you got married at the altar, you didn't get married to a man or a woman. You got married to God. And that man or a woman was the completion of that process. But the moment you X him out of the equation and you stop focusing on him, you just have a linear plane that ends in nowhere. But as long as you keep him the center focus. That no matter what happens, you can always turn back to him. But you got to stay beholding him. Because the moment your eyes turn away from him, then it is such as what they ask of Jesus. Why did Moses write this decree of divorce? You know what Jesus says? Because they harden their hearts. They stopped focusing on me. So I gave them an out button. I gave them an out button because they stopped beholding. Beloved, bow your heads in this place. It's Palm Sunday. Jesus came triumphantly into the city so that you could be a part of the celebration of a great victory. And that victory came at a great battle, a great cost. That victory was for your victory over death, hell, and the grave. But he asked this question, would you behold me? Because I'm looking to hold you. You're here today and I want to reach into your living room of your life. And there's some things in disarray in your life right now. And you have been distracted by those things. They have stolen your focus. John the Revelator said, He said, return to your first love. Fall in love with me again. Fall in love with Jesus again, that you'll behold him so he can hold you. If you're here today and your house is in disarray, 
You know there's some things out of whack in your life. You're not focused on Jesus. You're focused on the problem. You're focused on the failed marriage, the failed career. You're, you're focusing on the broken relationships. And Jesus said today, I want to steal your focus back again. I want to hold you again. But you got to start with beholding me. That's you today. Maybe we'll start with those in the pardon of your sin, never accepted Christ, never brought him into your life. We'll start there. But then I want to go to the next person who may be giving your life to Christ, but life has gotten you off off point and uh, you're no longer focused on Christ and has pulled you away. If that's you, either or. Would you lift your hand in the air if that's you? If that's you, I see you. I see you, ma'am. I believe there's, I see you, sir. I see you, sir. I believe there's others today. Today is the day. It's the day. Today is the day. If that's you, lift your hand now. Are there any others today? Any others? Any others? Thank you, Holy Ghost. And then maybe there are those of you who are like those religious rulers. They were there. They followed Jesus. They knew about Jesus. But they also doubted Jesus. Even the disciples doubted him. They went back to doing what they were doing after the resurrection, after the crucifixion. So maybe as a believer, you accepted Christ. But right now you're in a season of doubt. How can I believe and be doubtful? There was a man that said, Lord, help me in my unbelief. I believe, but help me in my unbelief. If that's you today. You want to make a conscious decision to fall in love deeper with Jesus today. If that's you, lift your hand right now. Right now, that's you. I see you again. I see you. Any others? Any others? Thank you, Father. I see you. Can we all stand to our feet? I'm going to ask you to do something bold today. Our intercessors up here and I'm closing. For those of you who lifted your hand, or maybe you wish you lifted your hand, I want you to adorn your mask, and I want you to step out in the aisles and come and meet us at this altar. God is doing the work. Don't miss out on this work. What you don't see, you will miss out on. What you don't see, you will miss out on. Would you come, 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 those who lifted your hand. Don't let life distract you again to miss out on this moment. Would you come to one of these intercessors and let them pray? For whatever reason, you lift your hand. Come, come. Thank you, Father. Don't let your pride prevent you from receiving what God is doing. Say, oh, Lord, I got to go. This is the cross-bearing moment. You have to endure your cross. You have to endure this moment. To get your crown, you got to bear your cross. I want to go, but what they're going to say about me? Bear your cross. You have to. You have to. Because if you don't shoulder this moment, what you don't kill today will live tomorrow. What you don't place on the altar today will crawl off and rule your life tomorrow. Any others, you need to come, come now. We'll wait for you.
Thank you, Father. Father, for every willing vessel that has made a decision, God, we give you glory for it. And we give you praise. For those who are here at the altar, God, we give you glory. For those who in their seats, God, we give you glory and we give you praise. And we bless your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to leave the altars open. I'm going to close service out. And if you still need, feel the need to build your palm hut that you can run into with refuge before the Lord, you can do so. Thank you, Father. Jesus, mighty name. God, we give you glory. God, we give you praise. Ah, and before we get out of here, I want to serve you the Lord's Supper, too. We do that before we go. Thank you, Father. Jesus, mighty name. Can we get some altar workers to grab the communion, the ministers? Uh, amen. Come on, Lady T, I'm going to need you. Amen. Pastor Reg. Yeah. Pastor Reg on that side. Amen. Starting from the rear, my left, your right, my right, your left, starting from the rear, follow the direction of the ushers. Would you come expediently around and receive your communion elements? Let's do this quickly. If we would, while they're still praying, we're going to do it while they're praying. Starting from the rear. Bless the Lord. For those of you online, if you're standing in need of prayer today, simply call 225-503-0506 is the number. 225-503-0706 for all of our online guests. You also can send an email to prayer at elevatechurchbr.com. God, we bless you. Those of you even online, if you have made a decision today, simply hashtag save me in the box below. Someone will contact you. Thank you for tuning in. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord have touched you even through the digital airwaves. After everyone has been served, all standing, if you would, if you have your communion elements, please remain standing. Can we serve the musicians? Amen. Amen. Did you receive yours? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Have we served them? Amen. All those at the altar, make sure that they receive as well. Can you serve those at the altar as well? Thank you, Jesus. While we're serving the remainder of those, Craig has his. Amen. Go to your private prayer closet asking God to forgive you of sins, knowingly or unknowingly, all praying at this time as we're serving the last of those.
Dios. God, we bless you. God, we give you glory. Thank you, Jesus. Nick, can you pull up 1 Corinthians 11? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry. Everyone has their communion elements. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you and thank you. God, we give you glory. My media department ran out on me. First Corinthians chapter number. Hallelujah. God, we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. For I received of the Lord that which I also, you got it up there, Nick? Thank you. For I received from the Lord that which I also pass unto you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may partake of that bread. In the same manner, never you eat this, amen. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup in the New Testament in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. You may drink of that cup. For whosoever eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment upon themselves. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take that cup and pass it down to the center aisle. You're left on this side. Pass it to the center aisle on the right on that side. For those of you who have made a decision, we celebrate you. I'd like to submit to you as well, for those of you who don't have a church home, and you felt the Spirit of God connecting you here today, if that's you today, would you lift your hand? Don't have a church home? Don't have a church home? You feel the Spirit of the Lord is connecting you with Elevate today. Would you reach your hand high in there? Let me see you. Wave it at me. Amen. Y'all help me look around. You see a hand waving? Amen. If that soul came with you today and they don't have a church home, ask him, say, he's talking to you. Amen. Is he talking to you? Amen. Amen. Anyone, anyone. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 
Well, we close out service today. Elevate. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. First time, second time, even third time. Guess I would love to shake your hand. Amen. As we close out. There you go. Hey, daughter. You snuck up on me. Amen. You know, amen. Oh, praise God. I was looking for her. She right. Praise God. Amen. Would love to shake your hand, meet you, and greet you in the foyer. And I want to see you next week for one of our service, 915 or 1115, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Father God, we thank you for your presence here, Lord God. We thank you for allowing us to come in, Lord God, and worship in unity, Lord God, and your peace and your glory. Lord God, we just lift you up and we just are so grateful, Father God, for everything that you've done here on today. Lord God, we pray that you would protect us and keep us, Lord God, as we go out, Lord God, and we minister your word to the world. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, for pouring out your love on us on today. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing, great are you, Lord. And all the earth will shout joy, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing, great are you, Lord.